Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. It's Championship Week. I am your host, Keith Cummings, joined by a very special guest, Jeff Bell. Yes, that's right. You can see the sticker on the back wall. We found another football guy. We'll never run out of them. Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. Keith, thank you so much for reaching out to me. You know, you're somebody that I look up to in the industry, and so this opportunity is fantastic. It's great that we have this time. It's great that it's this time of year. I think we're all excited to be able to claim some championships, but also to be able to, in Dynasty, switch to that offseason mindset a little bit as well. It's always fun to get into the rookies and some of this offseason movement. I I think that is the hardest time about this year in in a non-Dynasty sense, is those teams that you've been planning out those teams you've been scheming for and then it's over and i've got a couple of dynasty teams that i really pushed all in and it hurt this morning that they lost this week and i do want to give some credit the baked burger dynasty league thomas schaefer absolutely crushed jamie eisenberg moving on to the championship game there has the best team in the league as he should in our yolo dynasty league i'm actually facing jamie in the championship Jeff, this is a full, well, I say full IDP. We start eight starters. So okay. full IDP for anybody except for the craziest of people. And it is the most, the biggest test ever of defense wins championships. Jamie has the RB1 and RB2 for the season. Uh, he has the wide receiver one and wide receiver five for the season. He has Sam Laporta. Like he has an incredible offensive roster. I think I have three of the top five IDP, IDP players in the season. So, uh, I'm probably going to get crushed like like, like Jamie did when he faced Thomas this week. How, how did your weekend go, Jeff? It was one of those we were talking a little pre-show, yeah. but it was a it was a good weekend that could have been a great weekend. I'm in about 35 managed leagues, and I made the semifinals in about 10 of them, and I'm moving wow. on in about half. But it was right. I had three losses that were by two points or less, and so those were all brutal. Praying for stat corrections if that that happens, um, and then I had another one that I kind of did make an all-in move, and I was six points short of moving on in that one. So it was one of those that could have been a, a fantastic weekend, and it was lining up at one point on Sunday. I saw my sleeper rundown of all my teams and everything was green and I said, all right, we're going on. And then it, it uh, like Christmas, it about flipped to half red and, and it is what it is, but it's still been a fun and productive season. Um, just a little bit short in a couple spots, but still thrilled with most outcomes. Yeah. I think the one that hurts the most is Christian McCaffrey getting tackled at the one yard line. I, I do have a league where if he had just scored that touchdown at the two minute warning last night, I would have won the league, but you know, congratulations to Ben Ben's moving on. He's in the dynasty final. I'm not sure about the second sentence, but good job, Ben. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's lots of you out there that are moving on to the championship this weekend on today's show. We do have a, a more of an off season tilt, a buy sell hold. We're looking at, I think it's 12 guys I put in the notes that I'm having a little bit of difficulty with their ranking. I'm going to give you where their current December Dynasty League football ADP is. And Jeff will tell us whether he's buying, selling or holding at that cost. We will talk some deep waiver ads. I'm going to hope Jeff has better names than I do, because while these names are never good looking at guys that are rostered in fewer than 10 percent of leagues in CBS, uh, it's exceptionally bad. This week, and then we will we will get to some of your questions at the end. So we'll answer questions from Twitter. I asked for them there. We'll also answer for some here on YouTube. So feel free to go ahead and put those in the chat. Probably a better chance if you wait about 30 minutes, though. As always, we'll start with three questions for our guests. Three questions for Jeff. And I may add a bonus here because I see a hot topic on Twitter right now. But first off, Jeff, who is your favorite offseason sell? Who are we selling this offseason? 
I called him a sell last season, but his surprisingly his value has gone up. Michael Pittman Jr. is my favorite offseason sell. He is wide receiver 16 on a per game basis. And I think that a lot of the belief maybe like kind of thinks of him as being at wide receiver one. But again, wide receiver 16, he's going to be going into his age 27 season. I think we're encouraged by his usage in this Colts offense and what we saw in the brief glimpses with Antonio Richardson, or I I mean, um, Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But at the same time, this is going to be a 27 year old guy. And we see that age cliff in dynasty where if the production falls off at all, or if he were to suffer a longer term injury, the value really drops out. And it's surprising because the only players older than him that are ranked above him in dynasty rankings where last I checked, he's wide receiver 16 are AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill. And so he's kind of one of those that there are several younger players right behind him, much younger players right behind him in those rankings that could easily jump above him. And so that is where he lands as my favorite self. This is why we have a different guest on every week because last week, and this is hilarious, I asked Jacob Gibbs who his favorite offseason buy was, and he actually said Michael Pittman, which is fantastic. Yeah. I I mostly agree with you. I've got Pittman at wide receiver 25, so certainly lower than where his – looking at December ADP, it is actually uh, wide receiver 23, and then he's 16 by ranking. So, yeah – Anywhere in between there, I think, is the value you're going to see for Pittman. He kind of fits in with another guy, and I'll get in trouble for saying this because it's in a completely different way. But Brandon Ayuk doesn't see the huge volume, does have the insane efficiency, though, and is a a favorite of Matt Harmon, which always gets you like a, a 10 to 15 spot boost in terms of your dynasty ADP. Ayuk, I think, actually now wide receiver 10 in dynasty ADP for the month of December. Again, somebody I'm not quite that high on and somebody who's right around a number two wide receiver again this year in terms of actual production. And it's difficult because wide receivers in that age range, like I said, the value is so volatile. And so what I like to do, especially in startup situations, I mean, are you going to grab a Zay Flowers or are you going to grab a Michael Pittman? I'm the type that's going to default to grabbing Zay Flowers. And they're pretty close in rankings because you just see the value accumulation build off of these guys, especially these second year receivers that have given you glimpse glimpses of good, strong outcomes that, that while the production hasn't been there, they, are, they aren't winning people leagues at this minute. Those right. are the players that the value really takes off in year two and year three. And, and we still see it with wide receivers. As much instant impact as you do get, you still get these guys that really explode in their second and third year. Absolutely. So you're, you're getting rid of Michael Pittman. Do you have any any deep stashes that you were adding for those those teams that did get eliminated this week? And you still get to make waiver wire ads, of course. Well, who are the deep stashes you're looking at? Two running backs that I'm looking at right now that I think could step into much larger roles. They're already kind of moving into larger roles. Um, Izzy Abanacanda with the mm-hmm. Jets. Uh, that is one that Dalvin Cook really disappeared this past week. And Abanacanda, now that the Jets are eliminated from the playoffs, kind of emerged as that second back behind Brees Hall. If he's available in any leagues, I would go out and grab him. I don't think Dalvin Cook is in anybody's long-term plans, much less the Jets' long-term plans. So Abanacanda could be that that handcuff running back to Brees Hall and, and God forbid an injury or something happens late in the off season. That's a guy that could be real, uh, real value adder. And then the other one is Chris Rodriguez from the commanders. 
Antonio Gibson is going to be a free agent this season. They would likely need to look to add a receiving back, I would have to imagine. But if you go into the offseason with Brian Robinson and Chris Rodriguez as your top two backs, again, I'm trying to look for the next Kyron Williams is what I'm really looking for when I'm looking for stashes in Dynasty. Not so much on young wide receivers. Really just kind of want to add those running backs that can step into gaining quite a bit of value and try to build my my rosters with a strong quarterback, strong wide receivers, and then adding a lot of these running backs that have an opportunity to accrue value and, and opportunity. And, and that is that's that's a thing something you hear on this show over and over and over in different ways. But when you're when you're at the beginning of the rebuild, we're kind of avoiding those running backs. If you listen to John Bosch, we're avoiding them until the championship week, and then you try to trade for one. But yeah, it, like just build through wide receivers, build through quarterbacks, and then stash these young potential handcuff running backs. I'm glad to hear you say Abanacanda because he is on like 17 practice squads of mine. And I, I'm going to have to make that decision when we get to April. Hopefully I'll be holding on to him for at least until October. I think one of the other things that has gotten more interesting, I, for the most part, we've had a pretty steady top three at quarterback in Dynasty. It's been Patrick Mahomes. It's been Josh Allen. It's been Jalen Hurts. You, Some people will put them in different orders depending on the scoring system. And so I want to know, like, what, what order are you putting those guys in? And is it still the same three? Because when you look at December ADP, Mahomes was still QB1. I don't know that he's QB1 in too many rankings anymore. Um, how would you rank the top three quarterbacks in Dynasty right now? So I've got Josh Allen as my quarterback one. We've seen over the past couple seasons, he has finished as that fantasy quarterback one more often than not. I have Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback two. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts as a Chiefs fan because the the guy we saw on the field yesterday, that was they were down 13 with about 20 minutes left in the game, and he just looked beat. And and yeah. I've just never seen Patrick Mahomes look like that. Um, and my wide receiver th- or quarterback three right now is actually CJ Stroud over Jalen Hurts. I do have Jalen Hurts quarterback four. I'm defaulting a little bit to the, I mean, the youth is kind of a push on both, but I do right. like Stroud's game to be able to translate long term. I mean, you know, maybe a 1% consideration would be the elimination of the tush push if that happens on Jalen Hurts. But it's a big deal. Really yeah. Kinda, it, well, it would be on his value. Absolutely. I mean, you s- subtract it by six every week. You're, that's a kind of a big deal because it seems like he gets one or two touchdowns by default every week. But Stroud, I think, in the passing game has just looked so poised and so developed for a rookie coming in that I'm going to put him as my dynasty quarterback three because I do think he's got the best chance out of any quarterbacks in the landscape to really take over that number one spot here in the next couple of years. And so I think you bring up a good point. I'm glad you said that because I do think that CJ Stroud for me has entered that top tier. He's still number four for me, but I, I have had to fight it a little bit in my rankings, not moving him into the top three. I'm glad that you've gone ahead and done it. I actually have it hurts Allen Mahomes in that order. I agree. There, there's there's something that's happened in Kansas City. The frustration, it just continues to build. It might be dealing with Matt Nagy. Uh, it might be the lack of wide receivers. It might be something going on between Kelsey and Mahomes. I still think the most likely outcome is that whether it's in the playoffs, but if they flip the switch, and that'll be a fun story if they do, or if it's just next year, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be Patrick Mahomes again, and most concerns about him will be greatly overblown. But I, I can't make the argument for him over Allen or Hurts right now. I think that the question you have, and you mentioned it with Stroud, like he's – four years younger than Hurts, six years younger than Allen. 
do you envision Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen having the same type of longevity as a normal elite fantasy quarterback? Or because those guys do so much with their legs, do you think when they hit 30, it's just a completely different ballgame? I do expect that they will trail off. One of the things that I looked at last year, I, I dug into past rushing quarterbacks, a guy like Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. or I think that um, even Randall Cunningham was in my sample. Like I kind of like went really big on it. And it does, once that rushing starts to tail off and you get these guys that are in that 600-ish seasons, they drop to these 200 to 300-yard rushing seasons and it doesn't ever come back. And, and it's very surprising if it does come back. Like I know Donovan McNabb was a guy that I looked at that was a guy that had that mobility early on and really transitioned. So, yes, it will change their value in being elite top-tier assets. Um, I think it's a little bit – I don't expect them to be out of the league like a guy like Cam Newton is. Right. It's one of those that, like, are you going to take the trade off of getting the elite short-term production, knowing that I still think that they would kind of fall into being a back-end quarterback one, kind of on that fringe, because that fringe isn't isn't that hard to get to. So I'm the longevity. Once we get to 29, 20, 30, beyond that, I still think they have hold plenty of value, but I do think it's worth the trade off of grabbing the elite short-term production. And that's kind of where Anthony Richardson enters the conversation as well. We get some health out of Anthony Richardson. I think a full season there, that's a guy that can really knock down that door and give you that. And and the potential is there for that rushing output. But I do, I don't expect that these guys are going to be so beat up to the point of Cam Newton that they're just out of the, out of the league and they're completely done. Yeah. I've got, I've got Richardson at QB nine right now, but I, I think there's a, a, a really decent chance if he had not gotten hurt at all this year that we're talking about him in this top three discussion or that at least the t- the, t- the top tier is now five quarterbacks deep. The thing is, he's had injury problems in the past. He plays a style that leads towards injuries and he had multiple. So we can't just ignore it. It's kind of like how I feel about Tank Dell, who was awesome. But he came in with size concerns, like can his body hold up in the league at this size? And then he breaks his leg. And so we're going to have to have a little bit of concern going into next year until the guy plays a 17-game season. I do want to add a a fourth question for you. Our good friend of the show, Scott Fish, had tweeted this out earlier this morning. And, of course, anything you ask turns into a hot-button issue with people arguing over it. They're arguing on the internet over pot splitting this morning. So what do you have a take on splitting the pot? We're championship week. Texts and calls are going out. Do you want to split the pot? Do you want to split the pot? How do you feel about this, Jeff? You know, I I, I don't mess with other people's money, is I guess the way that I look yeah. at it. And so um, it, it kind of – I would probably be inclined to have a little bit more of a – equals not go all the way like i still want to be playing for something and still especially if you got a trophy or something like that i still am that type of but at the same time i saw like i know scott had tweeted about i think it's the circuit contest the survivor contest where um it had gotten down to i think like maybe eight people left and there was one person that didn't agree to the split and he got knocked out this past week and that's karma for you but when you're it's it's levels i mean if we're talking about my home league with a a 50 dollar buy-in that's really just about friends and somebody comes to me with a split i probably am gonna say no like i want to win that money (laughs) if i'm in one of these like massive contests with um and it's really down to it's clearly going to be me and one other person or whatnot and we're dealing with 
digits within the four and five figure range, right. um, I probably would be much more inclined to to happily walk away with and tell my wife, you know, like that we did some something good here. Right. Yeah. No, I've I've got uh it's just really simple. If you want to split the pot, then ask the other person. Yeah. And I for me personally, if somebody else asks, I'm just gonna say yes. And if neither team wants to, then don't. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's any value judgment. And I saw some people as commissioners saying that they would ban it. And I just I don't really understand that at all. But like you said, we don't you don't know where anybody else's money is at. It might be that a couple hundred bucks after Christmas really matters. If somebody asks you to split it, I just say split it. If you don't want to, though, you don't have to. Not that big a deal. Let's take a short break and get into some buy, sell, hold with Jeff Bell. Okay, Jeff. So this is kind of a, a segment idea. This is kind of just you helping me with my rankings because a lot of these players, I really have had a, a difficult time. I think that for the first one at quarterback, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, this guy has jumped all over my dynasty quarterback rankings in the past 12 months. Um, I was eliminated from a league this week because of his poor performance, which was ironic because I got in trouble with a lot of Dolphins fans for saying you should have sold them two months ago, and I didn't sell him in that league. But now looking at a, a situation where he's really struggled down the stretch, right? four of his last five games, 15 fantasy points or fewer. He's also shown us some of the most elite upside that we've ever seen. But how often or how many more games is he going to play with Tyree Kill and with Jalen Waddell in this situation with Mike McDaniel? His current dynasty ADP is QB9. Are you buying, selling, or holding at that range? At QB9, I would be selling. He's my quarterback 11. And I think that mm -hmm. really, when I look at the tier, I've got Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, kind of grouped together in mm -hmm. a tier. And and those those are all young players that I think have the opportunity to raise up a tier. At the same time, there are concerns with all of those players. I mean, Tua... I think I feel great that he's made it through the season healthy, even as a Bills fan. Right. What he was going through last year was really difficult to see. And so you want your even a, a rival at their best health. And so I, I feel good in that regard. He's not bringing anything in the rushing game. So that's a concern. Tyreek Hill's longevity, I think, really ties to his value more so than a lot of other young quarterbacks. And that's a key component. The other component is you're getting more tape, more book on Mike McDaniel's offense in Miami. And so you're getting levels of adjustments that are going to be able to be made by NFL defenses. And so uh, that those are factors. I really think the tail off has kind of coincided with Tyreek Hill's injury and, and his health has been a, a huge factor in that because you're not getting the 70 yard touchdowns out of Tyreek Hill at this moment right now. And, and like last week against Dallas, they had one that they just missed on. It would have been a 80 plus yard touchdown and we're having a little bit of a different conversation there but a player that is so contingent on those big plays that are not able to generate those big plays by himself with his legs that is always going to be a concern uh, yeah i i agree completely i have him exactly at, at qb 11 i would sell at that qb 9 cost but but it's not too far off let's talk a, another quarterback here russell wilson currently qb 20 in terms of dynasty adp he is on the season QB 14, unless you don't want to count Joe Flacco, and then he's QB 13. He is a guy who we've seen the rushing production bounce back just a little bit this year. 341 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, has had the weirdest borderline QB 1 season that I can remember. There's already some talk that the Broncos don't really want him back, but money-wise, they probably don't have any choice. At QB 20, are, are you buying, selling, or holding? 
I'm selling there. I've got him actually quite a bit lower. He's my quarterback 27. And I think that when it comes down to, um, I'm just defaulting to some of the younger players that probably aren't giving you the same level of production, but do project to having a decade in the NFL still. And so um, I'm certainly concerned about, and I do need to probably look at that because I've got a guy like Sam Howell above him. And I don't know that I I feel that great right now with Sam Howell being ranked (laughs) above Russell Wilson. Um, But I I do at 35, 36 ish. And if his team's already kind of talking about moving on, um, it's one of those that it just ends overnight. And so that's always makes me uncomfortable in a dynasty setting to rank him too, too high. Although it's great to see the bounce back to borderline quarterback one performance. I'm going to call him a hold. I think the Sam Howell one is an excellent one. Looking at my rankings, I've got him at QB 19, and I definitely need to move Sam Howell below him because I don't I don't have any confidence that Sam Howell starting next season, next week, or really ever again in the NFL. But I, I do the reason I would call him a hold is not so much because I think that's exactly the right value. It's because I think perception is much closer to where you are than where I am. Even when Russell Wilson has had good fantasy production, it's, there's been a lot of yeah, but from the community. Nobody really seems to believe in him. And so in a super flex league, I think I've got a a second starter and I don't think anybody's going to give me very much for him. So I think I'll just hold and be content. And then when the bottom falls out, like there are players that you just kind of have to roster until they're not worth anything. And then you drop them because it's more valuable to have them as that low end starter than it is to give them up for basically nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too far off on you with him. I, I think this is a guy that there could be a wide range of opinions. We're going to go with another dolphin, Devon Achan, who has leapt all the way up to RB six in terms of dynasty ADP. He's been in that range for me and my rankings as well. But man, if you take that Broncos game out, or if you just look at what he's done since he came back from the most recent injury, this looks like it could be a CJ Spiller situation all over again. I don't have any idea at all where to rank Devon HM, but at RB6, are you buying, selling, or holding? I probably want to sell at that RB6 valuation. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a very clear tier above him that I don't know that he can get to given his health and, and all that. Um, I, I mean, I would prefer to have James Cook over him, and I that might be a spicy take, but at the same time, from what we've seen over the last month or so, so from James Cook, I feel pretty good about him in that Buffalo offense. Um, it, it, it's just... It's so risky to hold these running backs first off. And that's mm-hmm. the thing of if I can pivot at a running back six into a young wide receiver, I feel a lot better about that. Um, and I think I do think that you're dealing with ceiling valuation off really, yeah, a, a, an explosive performance early in the season. And it has been a little bit more than a little bit frustrating to see him back supposedly healthy and just not getting heavy involvement. And maybe they're just waiting to unleash him in the playoffs. And that's the one caveat I think with him, because he does have that potential to go crazy in the playoffs and you're Mm -hmm. stepping into an off season with him holding a very, very high value. And you're able to really recoup a lot and kind of roll into something much bigger off of that. Oh, I think if they make a run in the playoffs and he's the RB1, then he could be, I mean, he might just be Gibbs, Bijan, and Brees Hall ahead of him Yeah, when we head into next year. But also, if his current usage extends into the playoffs and they get knocked out in the first round, then he might not be a top 15 running back. You mentioned James Cook, and that's a guy that I have right in the same range. I think most people would have Ken Walker ahead of him for sure now after the last couple of weeks. But there's one more that's really interesting to me. Who kind of complete? You mentioned him earlier in the show. He came out of nowhere, Kyron Williams. 
just a couple years older than HN. I don't know that the floor is actually that much better for Kyron Williams, but would you rather have Williams than HN? I'm leaning that direction in, in my rankings. I think yeah. that this is great because it's a great opportunity for both of us kind of kind of dig into the rankings and make those uh, judgment calls one way or the other. But from what we've seen, the volume is just amazing on Kyron Williams, and yeah. he hasn't shown slowed down at all. He's shown him that he can maintain that. And so that's one of the biggest things to come into the offseason where the Rams, you're still kind of, they're surprisingly good. I think we all expected them to be in a rebuild this year. It looks like they're kind of locked down a playoff spot just about, but they still have a lot of holes in that offense. And I don't know that you're going, in that roster in general, I don't know that you're going to use big resources to supplant Kyron Williams. And so if you're going to get that same level of usage and Matthew Stafford is still going to look that strong with those receivers, you know, Kyron Williams has a shot to be running back two in your redraft leagues next year. And, and that holds a lot of value in dynasty. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's probably another one where the next update to the rankings, I'm going to move HN behind Williams, but in that range, for sure, we got another running back a little bit older than these guys has also been more productive over the long haul than these guys. Josh Jacobs will be 26 years old, I believe going into next year, which just seems insane. He, he seems much older than that. Doesn't necessarily have a team for next year. Yeah. Currently RB 13. I don't think like we've seen Every year for the last four or five years, there's one surprising guy that gets left off the running back free agency merry-go-round. And then often there's one guy who goes somewhere else and is terrible, like Miles Sanders this year. How do you feel about Jacobs at RB13, buy, sell, or hold? Hold. I've got him at running back 13 in my <laughs> ranks. And it, that does, but when you break it down, I mean, that really feels like the natural place where you kind of above him. I'm not going to move him above Saquon Barkley from kind of what we've seen. Um, and then there's young backs, I think, throughout that above him that you feel good about. You feel better about Travis Etienne, I think, in Dynasty than Josh Jacobs. Yes. And then below him are guys like Isaiah Pacheco's kind of right behind him. And, and if we, it's always one it's you're dealing with these day three backs. And even though he's really taken over that backfield, you're always going to enter every single off season with those questions on mm -hmm. what are they going to do? Like they are very open to adding more talent there. And it really, especially in dynasty just can eliminate the value out of it. And, and we're talking about value conversations, not really production conversations, but it can eliminate the value if they were to go into the draft early. And I think that that's, um, those are just kind of young backs like that. Brian Robinson and Javante Williams and, and players that are, are still kind of, you want to see just that little bit more to really move them above Jacobs, but you're exactly right. Entering free agency and with everything spinning, I mean, Jacobs could land, he could be the bell cow back in Houston or he could land in Philadelphia and, and with no other competition. And you feel really good about that. Or he could be that guy that is just lingering out there in August, hoping to sign somewhere. Yeah, I, I have him at RB15 right now, but I would still agree with you. A hold at RB13, that seems just about the right value. Where, how do you view him compared to Tony Pollard? I have him valued higher than Tony Pollard. I'm I'm kind of a little bit of a strong fade on Tony Pollard. Yeah. I've got him at running back 24, and it's just we've he's in in the same age range. We've saw the opportunity now where everything was lined up for him to take that role. And, and if you've been holding him in Dynasty, this is the season you've been waiting for, and it didn't really click. No. And I don't know what you can hope for moving forward. Maybe moving into back into a similar role that he had with Ezekiel Elliott and getting some value off the passing game might be the best for him but it's just that i think his value has peaked and you're going to go down from there 
I got a, one more running back here. He's a guy already his season has ended. Keaton Mitchell flashed just a little bit of Devon Achan from time to time, but um, now dealing with the major injury, I think a guy who it's still possible to make a profit on in Dynasty, if you want to try to turn him into a round two pick currently valued as RB30 in Dynasty ADP, I would guess that probably some of those drafts happened before the injury, though, so maybe it's closer to RB35. As a number three running back, a low-end one at that, are you are you buying, selling, or holding Keaton Mitchell? It'll be a sell. I I re-ranked after that ACL injury, and I moved him down quite a bit. If this is one... I think Baltimore's got to address the running back position either in free agency or in the draft. I mean, J.K. Dobbins hopefully will be back and, and productive, but they're entering free agency on Gus Edwards. They restructured him, and, and he's going to head into free agency. I think Justice Hill, we've kind of seen what we've got there. And so I think Keaton Mitchell, both Keaton Mitchell and J.K. Dobbins, I, I think it's really difficult to walk into next year with Dobbins, Mitchell, and Gus Edwards as your top backs and kind of have that as your plan A without adding a significant body in there, given the injury questions about both Mitchell and Dobbins. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably say a hold at this range, but I, I would be tempted to go get a round two pick for him, especially if I was in a rebuild and he was just somebody at the end of my roster. I think I'd rather draft a wide receiver there and hope that guy pans out. We do have a question from the chat here, kind of relevant to the guys we've been talking about. Where Rashad White, probably one of the biggest risers in Dynasty rankings over the last year, has really looked better as a pass catcher and at times as a rusher. Where is he at in your rankings, and how does he compare to two guys we've talked about here, Achan and Jacobs? I've got him above both of those players, but above both Achan and Jacobs. I've got him at running back eight, and I think it's a lot of um, coming into the draft. You know, he was kind of that taller guy that was slender, and you were concerned about could he hold up to a major workload. And I, I think I view him as and James Cook in a little bit of a similar light, where what you thought about them as prospects when you watch them on an NFL field, he looks like an NFL running back, and he certainly looks like the sizes there to be able to hold up. We've seen it over and over again. He's got a three down skill set and those are really valuable and really rare across the league and the Buccaneers look more than willing to use him in that role Um, I mean I think they'd have to upgrade the backup from Chase Edmonds at some level but I can't imagine given what they have seen off Rashad White that you're going to see somebody that is going to present a significant threat to taking away major opportunity from him so I think he's going to hold that value through the offseason and you feel really good about him if you have him in your dynasty league let's move over to wide receiver and a guy who a month ago probably would have been as big of a riser as Rashad White, maybe cooled off just a little bit here recently, but Nico Collins still wide receiver 19. We talked about Michael Pittman earlier. He's three spots behind Michael Pittman. You mentioned Zay Flowers. He's one spot ahead of Zay Flowers. Wide receiver 19 for Nico Collins by Sellerholt. At wide receiver 19, he's a sell for me. I've got him at wide receiver 25, a little bit lower, similar value range. And I think you're dealing with the similar tiers there. Uh, Players that uh, Debo Samuel is in front of him for me that we've seen a little bit of a higher ceiling from Debo Samuel. And so that's kind of where I default there. I'm I'm really curious what the Texans are going to do this offseason because if they hold with Dell, Nico Collins, and Noah Brown as their top three receivers, I'll feel a lot better, I think, about Tank Dell and Nico Collins moving forward. But that is an opportunity. They've got... 
cap space that they could step into adding a significant receiver, especially the way that this draft is lining up with having, they do have that Cleveland pick. So they're going to kind of be in that later range, but also some depth throughout their draft that if they go out and add an impact rookie or even bring in a free agent to replace Robert Woods and to replace they also have the developing John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson there as well. So they could be set. And if they're right. set, then I feel really good about Collins. But again, this is an opportunity. I think that they see that we talked about the durability concerns on tank Dell. I think to go out there and aggressively add one more good young weapon for CJ Stroud to really spend that offense in place. And that would probably make me a little bit hesitant on Nico Collins. Yeah. I, I do think that it's, it's kind of one of those situations where he's probably club, priced a little bit closer to his ceiling than he is to his floor because if we get through the draft and it's just nico and tank i could see him creeping up into that wide receiver 15 range he could be a high-end wide receiver too he's still going to be just 25 or 26 years old he's got plenty of prime left but if they go draft a wide receiver in the first round he might be wide receiver 30 so I would agree with Sell. I've got him one spot ahead of Michael Pittman. It's it's Nico at wide receiver 24, Pittman at wide receiver 25. And so I think those guys probably both sells at this point. Let's move a little bit further down the rankings here. Jamison Williams, I talked to Jacob Gibbs about him a little bit last week. I've been a, a little bit encouraged by what we've seen. If you just consider this his rookie season, He kind of looks like a wide receiver who's getting more involved as the season goes on. Maybe somebody we could get excited about going into next year. Currently wide receiver 35 by Dynasty ADP. So again, you may be looking at at the potential of acquiring him for a round two pick. Are you buying, selling, or holding at wide receiver 35? Probably a hold on Jamison Williams, and I'm yeah. somebody that I consider myself higher on Jamison Williams than consensus, but it turns out my ranks are not actually higher than Jamison Williams on consensus. Um, but I, I think you are exactly right. I am very encouraged by what we have seen. We're hearing the right things from Dan Campbell. We're hearing the right things on him developing as a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I admit a, a, probably a level of bias on Jamison Williams, but I do believe that he is a he's a he's more of a football player than I think people realize than compared to being a track athlete and that's what I'm looking for in a wide receiver especially with that skill set I think he has the ability to work after the catch and he's got it his ceiling is still sky high and I think that's the biggest thing that people need to realize and remember and I would be he would be a player that I would be aggressively buying despite my ranking being below this wide receiver 35 just because I think that out of the players in that range he has as much opportunity if not more I think to develop and and turn into a borderline wide receiver one despite the competition there's a lot of competition for targets there in Detroit I still believe in the skill set and I, I think he's gotten gotten it together a little bit after kind of a rocky start there yeah, I think there's there's three wide receivers. You mentioned that range. Three wide receivers that I have ranked within four spots. Um, and so I'm going to have you. They're all entering year three next season. They've all given us little flashes, and they've all given us big disappointments. So we've got Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, and Jahan Dotson. How do you rank those three? Christian Watson, Jameson Williams, and Dahan Dotson. I've got Watson, Williams, and Dotson ranked in that order. Um, I'm a little bit... A little bit more encouraged about Watson and Williams because of the way their physicality has shown up at the NFL level. That their their speed is really showing up. Um, you can kind of distract from that of the unavailability on, on both of those players. 
Dotson is just frustrating and I don't know <laughs> how it's going to get. I don't know if it gets better is my concern on Dotson. Right. Dotson has been a player that I've been buying. And then you saw Curtis Samuel leave the lineup and he, he popped really there. And, and so it's, it's there. I'm not aggressively selling Dotson or anything like that. And if I can buy him for dirt cheap, I still be- believe the talent is there. It's just, what is that team going to look like? Who's right. the quarterback going to be? What's that? Are they still going to involve Curtis Samuel heavily with along with Terry McLaurin? Or is this going to be, is he actually going to get an opportunity? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've kind of given up on all three of these wide receivers ever being a wide receiver one on their own team. Yeah. Um, they, they have different types. Like you could see Jahan Dotson having one of those James Jones 12 touchdown seasons. He's got some red zone abilities that are probably better than both Watson or Williams. But Watson and Williams more with the uh, the Gabe Davis can score from anywhere on the field profile that kind of gives you that, that boom bust feature that I like to have in my number three wide receiver. So I do rank them in the same order. It's Watson, then Williams, then Dotson. That's wide receiver 34, 36, and 37 for me. So I'm right here as a, as a hold on Jamison Williams. There might be some instances where I'm willing to send an early second for him. There might be some instances where I'm willing to accept a second for him. That's that's about the right range, though. There's here's a here's a wide receiver that I've kind of whiffed on, and I've definitely got him lower than consensus right now. I just I don't know that I want to move him up because it's the profile of a wide receiver I'm generally out on. Amari Cooper. What a day he had yesterday. I'm sorry if he knocked you out of the playoffs in any leagues. I, I'm sure he did some people. Uh now wide receiver, well, not now, but before this, wide receiver 43. Do we, I, well, how do you feel about him going into next year? Is he still just a clear must-start wide receiver? We're at the age where there's plenty of reason to be concerned. Deshaun Watson hasn't been as good as Joe Flacco as a passer. Where are you at with Cooper? Buy, sell, or hold? He's he's a hold, I think, at this yeah. value. I don't know that you you definitely don't want to buy him now in Dynasty coming off of that performance. I think it's going to enter the offseason. It's going to be a big question. I would have to believe that Sean Watson is their quarterback next year. They can't really go with Joe Flacco and, and bench Sean Watson unless <laughs> right. like somebody just gives them the most charitable deal in NFL history and they're able to move off of Watson. Um, so you'd have to think Watson's there. One of the biggest things I was digging into his usage over the last couple weeks prior to this explosion, and I'm still shocked by this explosion, but it's really just been a, a case of touchdown regression is right. where he was for a lot of this year. His underlying usage was still there. He's still kind of in line to have one of his, and especially now after last week, have his best statistical season of his career. And I, th- I think it's it was a lot of touchdown regression. I believe he was at two coming into last week. Um, or three coming into last right. week, two touchdowns last week. So yeah, he, he had three touchdowns over 15 games and that was really holding him back. Now he's bounced, bouncing closer to that level where we've seen him historically. And um, he is a hold. It's, you know, me. And if you do want to sell him, if you got somebody in your league, and especially if you were not one of the fortunate people that had him and then did not advance and you don't have trade deadlines in your league. And maybe now is the perfect time where you can get a, a first or First, the plus for Amari Cooper is a deal that wouldn't have been there two or three weeks ago. Maybe it is the right time to sell there, but right. moving into the offseason, I don't know that you're going to be able to sell him for value given uh, the, the potential concerns about Deshaun Watson as quarterback, his age range. I hate to sell older players in the offseason just because the value we've seen across the dynasty community, the value just isn't there to move off those players in that range. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a good point. It's I've really pushed back against the buying of veterans. And so I think a lot of time in the off season, 
yeah. because so many things can go wrong. Yeah. At the, and and so that's kind of been transferred over to, well, you don't want to sell veterans in the offseason because the value is still low. I, the only thing I will say to that is I like every league's different. So when we get to April, I'm going to be making some offers. I'm just not going to accept the discount or the haircut you normally have to in the offseason. But there are occasions when, especially right around the draft, somebody gets on the clock with that 111 or the 112 and they don't know what to do. And yeah. they, they see a guy that might help them go try to chase a second championship. And so may, I, I'm still going to be making offers actively during the draft, but I do think you're right. It's getting harder and harder to sell players in the offseason because those of us who don't want to buy them in the offseason have kind of spread that message around. we got a couple of tight ends here on the list. We'll go through them a little bit quicker. Trey McBride, one of the biggest risers of the 2023 season. Bit of a downturn here at the end of the year, but I don't think anybody's concerned. He's at tight end five in terms of dynasty ADP. Buy, sell, or hold at that cost? Buying at that cost. He's my tight end one. Um, My dynasty tight end one. I've got him there. I think you look at him versus Sam Laporta, I think is going to be the conversation. And I think just the usage kind of lands on Trey McBride for me, whereas Laporta is a little bit more benefited by touchdowns. Anytime you see a tight end, especially his age, be the the number one receiving option in their offense, you want to buy that. 100% agree. Uh, Trey McBride is my tight end two right behind Laporta, but I go back and forth on those two guys. I think they're in a tier of their own. Would would one hundred percent buy this offseason if anybody thinks he's anything other than tight end one or tight end two? On the other end of the spectrum, Darren Waller has fallen all the way to tight end eighteen this season. If you came into the year concerned about the quarterback play, concerned about the age, concerned about the hamstrings, well, you were right on all three. He's now tight end eighteen. Are are you willing as a contender to to throw a, a, an offer out, out there at that cost and hope that he comes back and bounces back next year? Or are we just done? I have him as my tight end 18, but he would be a he, he would be a sell, man, if I could. I just don't think you can. It's, right. it's probably, probably lands in hold territory. I mean, I was as encouraged as anybody coming into this year, but it just hasn't been there. And yeah, once once players break down, it, it really is hard to come back. You might get that spurt of one more season to come out, but I'm not optimistic on Waller. Really, the only re- only reason holding him at tight end 18 is it's just doesn't feel to be a lot of people to move above him at that range versus what the optimal ceiling would be for a Waller season. Absolutely. Yeah. You're probably holding at that cost. Again, wouldn't be upset with selling him really for a second round pick. If you could do that when we get closer to the draft, maybe there'll be some positive news. Maybe he'll be running and not hurting his hamstring hurting. Who knows? Let's take a short break. We'll get to the deep waiver ads and then answer a few of your questions before we wrap up here. Okay, Jeff, so the way we do this, it's generally better names than what you're going to see on the list here. It's guys who are rostered in less than 10% of CBS leagues. I try to look for some guys for contenders, some guys for rebuilders. We don't know for sure. I don't think yet who's starting for the Giants at quarterback in Week 17. But Terod Taylor took over, threw a long touchdown pass. He's rostered in 2% of leagues. People in Superflex championships are desperate He might be somebody to add. He might be somebody to add just to make sure that the guy who was starting Tommy DeVito doesn't have a quarterback to play against you this week. And then Hendon Hooker is healthy again, and he's 2% rostered, probably dropped in a few dynasty leagues over the course of the season, or maybe they had to drop him when he came off of IR. Um, Anything to say about either one of these guys? 
I mean, Tyrod, he does have that rushing floor. So if you're very desperate and that we've just seen good games out of backup quarterbacks. And really, if you've been aggressive on your dynasty waivers, you've been able to add a Jake Browning or an Easton stick or Joe Flacco. And and they're, they're pushing a lot of rosters to the championship there. And it's, it's one that you're probably better off starting a quarterback, especially a quarterback that back that can run versus a random third or fourth wide receiver. If you're in these deeper lineups that we do get these super flex lineups. Um, but if you've made it to your championship and, and you haven't done it with Tyrod Taylor, that's for sure. <laughs> running back we've got a couple of guys i cheated a little bit to get amari di mercado on there just because man he's looked good the last couple of weeks and not as good as james connor but this looks like an offense that's going to be able to run the ball that's the one thing they've consistently done all season long is run it pretty efficiently i can't imagine they're going to bring james connor back next year De mercado could be the second guy in a committee he could maybe at times be the first guy in a committee next year he's 14 percent rostered I think if you're out of it, holding him until we get to May and see if maybe somehow his value went up makes sense. As far as guys who might be able to help you as a flex this week, we've got Jarek McKinnon already on IR. Isaiah Pacheco is in the concussion protocol. That means that Clyde Edwards-Lair is going to be sharing with either Michael Piran or Daneric Prince this week. And in a game against a Bengals defense, it's been one of the worst in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if in the fourth quarter, one of those guys sees double-digit touches. Yeah, are you as a, I mean, you're cl- a little bit more plugged in than most probably. Right. Who would you default to here? I, I think it's probably more likely to be P. Ryan. They were excited about Prince earlier in the year, but that they yeah. it, that seems to have faded. Yeah, I hear you there. And it's, yeah, it, I mean, it's just, it's just funny because when you're adding these deep waivers at this yeah. point in the year, the only, only two teams in the league should really care outside of people that can right. put value into next year. And it's, it's hard to, it's, it's even, we're out of that range now where you're stacking those backups just in case it breaks in that direction, just because you got one more game in most cases. And right. so, I will say that like I, in a deeper league, I don't mind adding both. I mean, there's a, a realistic yeah. possibility that the Chiefs find themselves locked into the three seed going into week 18 and we get an extended look at Prince and he does something that makes people want to roster him. And so I, I, I'd i be perfectly happy adding both. How do you feel about DeMarcado? Have you been impressed by him lately? I, he came out of nowhere really um, yeah. twice, it seems like, because he did have that early <laughs> yeah. emergence. And then they they brought in Michael Carter, and it looked like, okay, it's going to be James Conner, Michael Carter backfield, DeMarcado's done. And then he just really exploded again um, last week against the 49ers, and, and he's kind of there now. And, and yeah, he's got the speed, the explosion that you like to see out of the running back position. He's got good size there, and, and yeah, it definitely could break. This is offense. I do think they want to rely on the running back, Drew Penzig, coming from Cleveland and, and yep. Jonathan Gannon having that experience in uh, Philadelphia. They do want to run the football. So, and anytime you can add these, you never know how it's going to break. So, yeah, I think that's a great call out. Yeah, three wide receivers here. Two of them, Greg Dortch, Darius Slayton, more desperation flexes. I don't have more hope for them really beyond this year, but they they could absolutely score you 10 to 15 PPR fantasy points this week and make a, a difference as a second flex. And then this one actually caught me off guard. Justin Ross is apparently not suspended any longer, was on the field for the Chiefs this week, is 2% rostered, and Patrick Mahomes basically hates all of his other wide receivers besides Rasheed Rice. So, like, Put him at the end of your roster. Maybe something will happen in the playoffs to where he has some value moving forward. Yeah, that's a great call out there. I mean, Brandon Powell is another guy in my mind yep. where we just saw Jonathan or uh, 
Jordan Addison go out, TJ Hawkinson go out, and and we've seen him kind of step in that third receiver role in the past. Um, and Bo Melton for the Packers kind of yep. he, you know, we've seen all the Packers injuries. He came out of nowhere really, and they got him some manufactured touches and involvement in um, reverse type situation. And so that's a guy that kind of might be out there too in deep leagues. Appreciate the reminder in the chat to hit the like button. That would be fantastic. We're going to answer your questions in just one second. I do think last one at, at tight end. I couldn't find any deep tight ends to add. Travis Kelsey might play like three more football games in his life. I, I do not have a whole lot of certainty that he's playing next year and that the or that the Chiefs are going to have the resources to go get an, an expensive tight end fill-in. So I'd like to roster Noah Gray at least until Kelsey's made a decision. Yeah, I completely agree there. And Noah Gray is going to be a nice one because you'll you'll find out quickly if Kelsey retires or not, or if he doesn't, then he could be a guy that you can move off as you. Because one of the things that I think proactive dynasty managers are thinking about is the influx of rookies that you're going to be getting onto right. the back of your roster. And so you're going to have to create space somewhere for those. So that's the type of guy that would be an early offseason reveal on gaining quite a bit of value, or you could go ahead and move on from him for those rookies. Um, but I think you make a great point there on Kelsey and it's kind of, I don't know if people really want to go there and talk about that, but it does seem like he's in a good spot where he's got outside interests now. And um, if you are in a dynasty league that doesn't have a trade deadline and you're not in the championship game, this might be this week. You probably need to aggressively look at getting Kelsey off your roster. Yeah, and you can you can even sell it as have you seen how bad the Bengals have been against tight ends? Yeah. Kelsey's going to get right. He could win you a championship. Uh, please take him, <laughs> please. Exactly. Well, and it's one of those that I, I have the. You see the uniform, you see Patrick Mahomes, and you think yeah. the game turns on, and you're like, here we go, it's going to be the Chiefs again. And then two plays into the game, you're like, oh, that's right, that's where we are. We're going to run through some questions here. I'll check Twitter to see what we have, but somebody in the chat, I don't know if they're taking a shot at you, Jeff, but they are in a dynasty league with you and they're projected to win the championship, Seth. Uh, has Debo and Cooper Cup after the season like, consider selling either or both? It feels like Cup's value has already taken a pretty big hit here. You view, view these guys are buy, sells, or hold this offseason? They're going to be holds for me through the offseason. I think that it's it's one that both of I mean, Samuel has kind of come back from where he was a lower value right. and you're seeing great play out of him the last couple of weeks. Both of them are going to be in the playoffs. And so both will have opportunity on island games to recoup some value. But I just it's again, we talked about it earlier. It's just so hard to move off of veterans. And I think really you make a great point on your rookie draft there as a potential move off place. I think another offseason move off place would be um, August once you're kind of in redraft season and people are more susceptible, more uh, supporting these guys that are high redraft picks and they're a little bit concerned about that hole they might have in their roster. I think other than that, it's just very hard to trade guys. The other, the other thing I do like to do is right after the season, if a team did just fall short of the championship and I've got a veteran, I want to move off. If they had an obvious hole that cost them the that title, go and approach them for some youth and, and whatnot to move off your young, off your older guys. But it's really hard outside of those instances. We've just seen the dynasty community, um, hive mind as a whole move off of valuing win now players. We've got a question from Twitter here. Is they, is there a player whose short and long-term future is safer than CD lamps? Um, short and long-term future. I mean, there's a couple of receivers ranked above CD lamb that probably have safer short and long-term futures in uh, Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson. That's, that's the interesting part of that question because Jamar yeah. chase not playing 
Justin Jefferson playing with Nick Mullins. I, you'd rather have C.D. Lamb than Jefferson or Chase for the rest of this season. And those are the only two players that I have ranked ahead of him in terms of like my most recent dynasty trade chart. He's he's the third most valuable player and the only one who might be a superstar, although Justin Jefferson's doing okay with Nick Mullins. He is, and I think he's <laughs> going to be – they're going to figure out a way to get Justin Jefferson the ball. He'll do things with it. Um, but I, I agree. I've got him as my wide receiver three, too. And and so it's a great point, and especially for this week. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be my wide receiver one going into this week's rankings, I'm sure. Got one more question from Twitter here. Where will you rank uh, – just not nice things to say about Devontae Adams for next year. Devonte Adams. I mean, who's his quarterback going to be? I guess tell me that right now, and I'll tell you where I'm going to rank him. But he's my wide receiver, 34 actually in Dynasty, and so he's really kind of landed in towards back end mm-hmm. wide receiver three territory. If they go out and proactively add a quarterback upgrade, I think you still you've seen glimpses of him still being that productive. But if they don't, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be. I think he's going to be one of those guys we saw this past off season and startup season. You saw Mike Evans and Keenan Allen where just the values were tanked out of them and you were able to get them in the ninth, 10th, 11th round of your right. startups. I do expect Devonte Adams to be in that range too now. Yeah. He, he's my wide receiver 40. I think like it's funny. We talked about Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson. It's really sad to think that if you have to blow up a contender, that might be the range of young yeah. wide receiver you might get for Devonte Adams or that he might be worth. Um, I don't like that at all. I, I, I'd love it. Like this is the place where a Gardner Minshew or a Joe Flacco or somebody like that that can really elevate a wide receiver one or at least insulate a wide receiver one needs to go. I think I might like that better for Adams than I would if they drafted a rookie. And beating the Chiefs, they might have hurt their chances of drafting a rookie anyway. We had one more question, and since I just mentioned him, is Joe Flacco a thing in 2024? He's isn't he the most fascinating player in the NFL right now? Because you look at him and he was the franchise quarterback in Baltimore and then he got replaced with Lamar Jackson, which was a pretty natural replacement. Mm -hmm. But then he went to Denver, kind of had a little bit of a half season that wasn't poor. And then everybody just kind of cast him off. And then he played last year in the with the Jets and he produced. There are so many terrible quarterback situations across the league. It does feel like. This this was a guy that he was the Ravens franchise quarterback and won them a Super Bowl or was carried along and won them a Super Bowl. And it does teams moved off of him very young in kind of the natural cycle right. of guys that have established themselves in the past. And so it could be. I, I don't see any reason to, wait to say it's not going to be because he does have that experience and he can still absolutely throw the ball vertically. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Please take a minute or two and and tell everybody where they can find you and what you've got going on over at Football Guys. Yeah, so most all my content is going to be through Football Guys. I've got a weekly Dynasty Roundup article that I write that ends up being about 4,000 words that comes out early in the week and kind of really just statistically recaps that past week, kind of gives you some deep waivers early on to look for and, and kind of resets the, the slate for the next upcoming week. I'm, I'm on the Football Guys DFS show. I'm on the Football Guys Dynasty show. I do the Audible Live with Matt Waldman on Thursday nights, and you can find that live at halftime of the Thursday night football game. And 
then into your podcast feed on the Audible feed. And then I do a live start sit with Joey Wright and Jagger May on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. And you come with all your start sit questions. We're happy to answer those. Um, that, And then we do a Dynasty Roundup article to, or Dynasty um, Movement article at Football Guys, which is really a forum for the Dynasty staff to come together and identify players that they are moving up or down their Dynasty rankings. That ends up being about 4,000 words that hits on Thursday morning. And so that's a really good recap of that week of valuation in Dynasty to make sure to check that out. Awesome, awesome stuff. Go check Jeff out. Go follow him on Twitter. Thank you guys for being a part of the show today. Good luck to everybody in your fantasy championships, and we will talk to you next Tuesday.